go ahead and get started. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining this call. Uh, this is Robert Craig, Executive Director of Citizen Action of Wisconsin. And so we're releasing a new report today that has some extremely interesting numbers about the influence of some key state policy decisions on health insurance rates uh, within, within states. This report actually applies uh, to 34 states. Obviously, we are Wisconsin's biggest organization and did it with Wisconsin in mind, but it's actually applicable uh, to all the states that have their data public and are in the federal exchange or the hybrid exchanges. So the full report is now available on our website. You can go to our website, citizenactionwi.org, right now and see the whole report. Uh, we're going to run through the numbers and, and the findings. Um, and so I'm going to give a very brief overview. Then I'm going to hand it over to Kevin Kane, our lead organizer, who did the data analysis for this report. And then uh, Senator Chris Larson uh, will speak about the implications. And then we're going to add in cleanup will be John Peacock uh, from the Wisconsin Council of Children and Families, one of the most respected health care experts in the state of Wisconsin, to talk about the implications. So what this report looked at, it's a regression analysis, and it looked at it, what a regression analysis allows you to do is factor out various variables and find out what variables are actually influencing um, uh, something like premiums in this case. So we were looking at health insurance premiums on the exchanges. And what really jumped out in this report is, is that taking the Medicaid money, the expansion money, uh, Having a robust rate review where there is prior approval for insurance rates, which a number of states have done and have used the resources in the Affordable Care Act to beef those policies up, and another one which would require a constitutional amendment, that is an elected insurance commissioner, have a substantial increase on rates. And the numbers or the actual numbers are in the report, and Kevin is going to review them. And so I think the crucial implication here is, is that States are going to benefit or not benefit in the new environment after the Affordable Care Act has become law and been fully implemented to the extent they take advantage of the tools under the law. And so if you take the Medicaid money, it lowers rates for everyone. It's also obviously good for, for low-income folks who rely on Badger Care. If you, have, if you do much more robust rate review where insurance companies are held accountable, you also get lower rates. And so that is why there are winners and losers uh, in, in the uh, new environment. And, in fact, we had done previous research released last year that showed that Minnesota was doing much better than Wisconsin in terms of rates, and uh, both the rate review and the Medicaid expansion were two of, two of the reasons that we found in that data comparing Minnesota to Wisconsin. New to this report is the influence of an elected insurance commissioner. That would require a constitutional amendment, as we said, but that is extremely interesting and does suggest, as with rate review, that the insurance industry is very uh, uh, sensitive to uh, openness, transparency, and accountability. And obviously, in states where there's an elected insurance commissioner, there seems to be uh, presumably a better chance that they will face stronger regulatory pressure and, and scrutiny of un unwarranted and unjustified rate increases. So this is really about state policy now, the role of states in implementing health care reform, and states that drag their feet, states that don't want to use these new tools, actually not only uh, damage, in the case of Medicaid, individuals who are, who are denied more affordable coverage, they also impact rates overall for, for all, everyone in, in the state. And so with that, let me hand it over to Kevin Kane, our lead organizer who did this analysis, and he's going to give you the actual numbers, and we'll get comments from Senator Larson and uh, from John Peacock. So uh, go ahead. Can you hear me? 
Okay, great. Uh, thanks, everyone, for being here. Um, the, the report itself is, is now officially on our website as well, so you can get it. We'll also include it in the press release that goes out afterwards. Our report looked at all the rates, again, that were publicly available uh, for the 34 states that are on these marketplaces. It comes out to be about 406,884 different premiums uh, across the country. And so we looked at all these uh, different rates to try to identify which state policies had an impact. And this is something that we've never really been able to do before uh, the Affordable Care Act made this uh, possible because being someone who was perhaps 60 and male in one state uh, made it very difficult to compare against someone who was 60 and female who maybe was who had diabetes in a different state because of different rules on gender discrimination and pre-existing condition discrimination. But because uh, these are now uh, outlawed, it allows for a much easier comparison between different states on the actual causes of rate variation. Uh, there's very fewer abilities for insurance companies to uh, vary rates, and so we were able to look at the, the policy implications. And so of the three that we looked at, we looked at, again, Medicaid expansion, we looked at uh, rate review, something referred to as prior authorization rate review, and uh, elected insurance commissioners. And we found that uh, um, we, for specifically for Medicaid, uh, we looked at not just those who uh, had coverage gaps, who just didn't expand, but we also looked at those who were just above the poverty line, who were newly going into the private marketplace, Wisconsin, of course, being one of the states that, unlike others like Texas and, and uh, Pennsylvania, doesn't have a coverage gap per se, but there are uh, a lot more individuals, about 84,000, uh, who will be buying private health insurance who should have been covered in Badger Care. And our report found that, in, on average, in the states that didn't accept the federal Medicaid funds, uh, the average consumer is paying about $373 more per year just because of that, totally independent of any other benefits in the plan. The plans were all uh, basically the same. Um, we control for many, many other variations uh, in insurance market, in health market, in different health and gender uh, differences in between the different states. Uh, but even in states like Wisconsin, again, who don't have a uh, coverage gap, we found that even here rates are about, on average, $250 uh, more per person per year for an individual plan, even though we don't technically have a coverage gap like other states do. And the reason for that is, uh, and there's a lot of research to back this up, that the individuals who are of this low-income grouping are uh, tend to be lower health, tend to have worse health outcomes. Many of them were uninsured previously. And so those who buy health insurance are going to be the ones that know they need it, that know that they have to get the coverage. And the healthy ones, there's going to be concern for adverse selection there, that they're the ones who are healthy are not going to sign up because those who should have been covered in Badger Care and are not are not necessarily going to have to be uh, impacted by the individual mandate in the law. And also, um, many of them are just not going to be able to afford it because, again, the Affordable Care Act assumes that those who are in that income group would be in Badger Care. And so the law doesn't necessarily make it completely affordable for them. But not just looking at uh, Medicaid, Badger Care, we also looked at uh, other issues like rate review. And we also looked at the, the states that have what they refer to as prior authorization rate review. We looked at uh, states that require insurance companies to submit rates for the state to critique and then eventually give the okay for, uh, provided they're not excessive, before they're allowed to use them. Here in Wisconsin, we have what's known as file and use. So insurance companies just need to file, but then they can go ahead and use them right away. And the state has time that they can go back and, and critique them and challenge them. Uh, but in general, this, this prior authorization, this requirement that insurance companies come to the state first, is generally seen as a higher level of oversight uh, over the insurance industry. And we found that in states 
that uh, employ this prior authorization type of rate review, on average, there was about $747 less per person per year, uh, which is substantially higher than, than some of the other issues we looked at, and, and very, very uh, clear throughout. Um, in addition, we looked at the, the question of whether a state elects insurance commissioners. There are about nine states that do, and we found that in states that elect an insurance commissioner, the ones who are not appointed, um, we, they saw a reduction of about $519 per person per year on average uh, in those states that had that. Um, again, we, we see this as sort of a, a, an elected insurance commissioner has more leeway to really challenge uh, the insurance marketplace, uh, not necessarily being someone who was appointed from the industry exactly itself. So we found that these three different uh, rates, that these three different policies had a very uh, powerful, statistically significant impact on uh, insurance plans across the country, and, and all three of these are things that Wisconsin does not currently do. So on the report that's on there, we actually break down the different states, uh, what the impact for each state from this Medicaid decision would be on their average uh, consumer. It does shift uh, depending on the size of the low-income population, as well as uh, the breakdown of what this prior authorization rate review means and what this elected insurance commissioner question is. And on the report, you will actually be able to see the states that that you know which ones have an elected insurance commissioner, which ones have uh, prior authorization rate review, and then we also show just for completeness's sake some of the other uh, variables that we try to control for to make it so we can really see, uh, really hammer home the differences between the different states. Um, so I believe that's it for me, Robert. Uh, thanks a lot, Kevin. And so what this really shows is, is that state policy. Has a, and the decisions we make in Wisconsin here and a lot of finger-pointing probably because health insurance hyperinflation has not been suddenly solved. And I think people need to bear in mind that when a state doesn't take advantage of all the tools available, it actually much higher rates than its neighboring states. And so that's, this report shows that with good statistical analysis across the whole country. And so given that this is about state policy, I want to turn it over to uh, the Democrat leader in the, uh, in the state Senate, Chris Larson, to comment on these findings. So, Chris, thank you very much for joining the call. Thank you, Robert, for having me. always uh, uh, appreciate the work uh, you do and uh, happy to comment on what is happening here at the state. Um, Wisconsin, to be clear, like other states, has the ability to use its rate review power to prevent excessive rate increases uh, going into 2015. Uh, except under Walker, they have not once called an increase in rates excessive. Um, and by failing to use this tool and other tools at our disposal, we're slipping further away from other states that aren't doing it right, um, such as our, our neighboring state, Minnesota. Uh, there's no excuse for Wisconsin to have health coverage costs so much higher here uh, than our neighboring state in Minnesota uh, a year ago, uh, where they cost the same as us. Um, so we must work to accept federal funds for badger care, improve our insurance oversight if we're ever going to get control of high costs of health care throughout our state. Uh, without a watchdog protecting our middle class, families and businesses are going to continue to feel a pinch of skyrocketing health care costs. Now, uh, given that, um, Scott Walker and his allies are probably going to continue to try and blame the Affordable Care Act and Obama, Obama for the... Uh, we are currently experiencing technical problems. Please sit by. What our marketplace would look like and, and what uh, 
and whether we would expand Medicaid coverage, some of us speculated that not expanding Medicaid up to 138% of the poverty level would indirectly uh, affect the marketplace. And that's something that perhaps isn't intuitively obvious, but but uh, we we thought that we would see that effect, and and so uh, I appreciate the work that went into this to actually tease that out uh, and to show that nationally uh, the states that have turned down the federal Medicaid money and haven't expanded coverage uh, are uh, having rates on average $373 per person per year higher within the marketplace. And in Wisconsin, it looks like the effect is, as Kevin said, is roughly $250. Uh, Kevin went over some of the reasons for that, and I'd, I'd just like to reiterate and maybe add to that a little bit. Um, I think there are essentially three reasons why you see that indirect effect of the size of the Medicaid expansion uh, on the marketplace rates. And the first one is simply that states that don't expand up to 138% of poverty have more uncompensated care. And as, as many people know, uh, an increase in uncompensated care results in cost shifting to people with insurance. Um, the second thing is income group between 100 and 138% of the poverty level is typically sicker, has been uninsured for quite a while, has existing conditions, and is somewhat more expensive to cover. And then related to that, as Kevin explained, the third reason is that, that, is that there's adverse selection in that group. They are exempt from the individual mandate because of their income level. They don't have to sign up. The sicker people in that group do. The, because they're low income, the healthier people in that group don't, and that adversely affects rates. So for all of those reasons, I think that this somewhat um, you know, more indirect effect of decisions related to Medicaid expansion is just one more reason among many why the state should reconsider that and take advantage of the federal money, expand coverage up to 138% of the poverty level. Uh, thank you very much, John, uh, uh, for that analysis. And we're going to turn it over to any questions reporters have right now um, on the report. I just want to point out what's interesting about this is that suggests, and I think this is really a theme that runs through all attempts to reform the healthcare system, that we're very much all in it together, that doing something that damages one group actually hurts everyone else, that the best system possible is to have everyone in and paying into the system and everyone covered. And so you just, it has all sorts of other consequences when you don't do that. And Medicaid expansion is obviously a, a, a major example of that. And it also shows that, I mean, quite frankly, the rate review information here and the information on the impact on elected insurance commissioner really shows how much accountability impacts health insurance rates. And so we need much more accountability in states that have done that, obviously are doing better than Wisconsin and states that are not. I should point out also that we do plan with partners to release this report in other states because this has national implications, uh, but Wisconsin's the first state as we're here, and we obviously care about what's happening in Wisconsin uh, even more. So with that, let me see if there are any questions from reporters ready to speakers. Hey, Robert? Yes. This is Shemaine. Um, 67,000 in Wisconsin who are buying on the exchange 
how many in Wisconsin are um, in the individual market? I mean, it seems like these 60,000 are having a pretty big impact by not being on Medicaid and being on the market. So I'm wondering, can you put that in context of how big that market is on the exchange? Uh, Kevin or John, do you want to talk about that? So one of the things that the insurance companies had to do last year is when they were first releasing their rates, they didn't know what uh, their other competitors were going to have. They didn't know what the estimations of how much, uh, how much, how many people were going to really be in this market. And so our estimates were that they kind of made this uh, wiggle room for themselves to do this. And that's why you're seeing the, the large premium impact uh, by this decision, uh, kind of beyond the scope of the 60 to 80,000 individuals who will now be in the private marketplace. Now, again, that's just one factor. The other ones are the ones that are below the poverty line that they don't expect necessarily to, to sign up in time. Or, or um, But, yeah, o- overall, it's the insurance companies were uh, kind of with a veil of ignorance trying to set rates before they actually knew what the impact of this population was going to be. So, in other words, Kevin, they have to do an analysis, insurance companies, of how to price coverage, and they need to get enough premiums to cover the actual cost of medical care. That's really clear is that they take these factors into account. And so, clearly in Wisconsin, it had slightly less impact than states that actually turned down all the Medicaid money because Wisconsin did cover up to 100%, but it still had a very substantial impact. And so, that is literally, so these factors we're talking about go into pricing of insurance. Um, so, does that answer your question, Shemaine, or was, there, or, or was there another part we didn't get to? Thank you. Okay. John, do you have a thought on that? But just one sort of minor um, sort of additional correction to what you said, Robert. Um, the, the marketplace doesn't cover people below the poverty level. So, in a sense... It, the, the effect in Wisconsin of not expanding to 138% is, is going to be much the same as, as that decision would be in other states. The fact that we expanded to 100% uh, isn't that relevant with respect to the, the marketplace rates. Um, but, um, but basically, I, I totally agree with what Kevin said, that it's a matter of the insurers having to take into account the, all, of the, all of the different variables. The fall between 138% of FPL. Um, I'll jump in on that one. This is John. Um, the Legislative Fiscal Bureau estimated that if Wisconsin had expanded coverage to 138% of the poverty level instead of 100 additional parents and childless adults uh, covered in Badger Care. And so that's, I think that's the best number. So we have some dramatic music to, to support that, John. <laughs> so, uh, further questions. Do you, um, Representative Larson talked about the uh, state rate review power. Um, the state doesn't have any legislative authority, though. I mean, the OCI doesn't have any legislative authority to order someone to lower rates, correct? I think... Uh, oh, this is oh, go ahead, Adam. This is Chris. Yeah, oh, Chris, go on. Um, I like the music background. 
Um, yeah, the, the, the state does not have that ability. It's done by the uh, Office of the Commissioner of Insurance at Nichols, um, where but the, the simple fact of making these rates public uh, to be able to review them and say that this is uh, excessive um, gives the ability of the public to have some say in um, even if that is just to be able to say what this all attendees are muted, and they unmute themselves by pressing star six. Sorry about that. I just wanted to get rid of the background noise. Okay. Go, go ahead, Chris. Sure. Even in neighboring states for, for them to be able to keep those rates down, but that's something where in Wisconsin, no no rate increase. Of all the rate increases that have happened uh, since ACA passed, not a single one uh, has been deemed as being excessive. Um, has, has hit that mark. So to answer your question, we don't, you know, there, there has been no effect because um, Walker is commissioner of insurance. Let, let me interrupt you, please. Um, yeah, let, let me, let me, let me yeah, add something, Guy. Uh, yeah. And that is obviously the, the state of Wisconsin could be more rigorous under current law and could, I mean, the fact that it's found no rate excessive whatsoever since the pro... We are currently experiencing technical problems. Please sit by. There's been a lot of discussion back and forth uh, in some of the national literature about that as well, as to whether medical loss ratio itself is sufficient. Uh, we come down the side that it's not, that great review uh, combined with medical loss ratio is much more effective, especially if it's prior authorization uh, for rate increases. For additional questions, we, since we muted the background noise, hit star six, unmute, unmute yourself. Have to buy on the exchange. Any thoughts on that? I mean, uh, and I'll let other people uh, comment. Well, my reaction all along is, is and it's, it's really been a very mean-spirited lawsuit. It's a, it, what it's about is whether or not congressional staff, there are a lot more staff than members of Congress, are going to have, to, are going to have their employer continue to pay uh, the employer's percentage. And so should, they should have to pay the entire amount, and if they're low enough income, they could get some level of subsidy. Uh, it, it, I, we don't see that that makes much sense. So it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a political stunt. It's a legal question as to whether the law was misdrafted, but from a policy standpoint, it makes no sense to dramatically reduce the, uh, the, essentially the real compensation of congressional staff and members of Congress and, and stop doing what the country should, should stop doing that and should try to uh, essentially dump their employees onto the exchange. And, and leave them much more on their own to pay for their premiums. So I think it's a horrible precedent even beyond the impact on, on, uh, on the individual congressional staffers and members of Congress. So, but, but thanks for the question. I mean, it's obviously in the news this week. Uh, other questions? And start six on mute if you have a question, since Kevin was working on the background noise here. Do, do you guys have um, um, know of any better estimates than what came from the Legislative Fiscal Bureau um, on what the decision not to accept the additional federal funds under the ACA um, is costing the state. You know, we've used figures of, uh, of roughly $100 million in the first two years, um, but um, I was wondering if you guys know of any better figures out there. Let John would be the expert. It seems like with the news about a Medicaid deficit that and fifty percent of footballs what had been anticipated a year ago, that very substantially increases the cost of turning down the federal money. 
Um, but uh, I have not. Uh, I, I, I hope to take a stab to calculation myself, but it's probably a couple weeks down the road. Thank you. Um, other questions, and if you're muted, star six to unmute. Um, just the, following up to the guy's question, the, that same quarterly report did say that the uh, the Medicaid deficit is now projected to be a major issue for years to come. So thank you very much for joining us, everyone. And thank you to Chris, John, and John and Kevin. We'll unmute the call, and if anybody wants to ask questions, we'll be here. Thank you. Thank you. All the